When we got evacuated, I was trying to get then get back to the cafe. And of course, that was all underwater. Um, I was trying to get out to my mum's place. So I had a friend who was in a four wheel drive and they picked us up and took us over to Heatley and it just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. It was just a, a scary night. And then um, the next day, mum come and picked us up and took us out to um, Bushland Beach, stopping the coals on the way to mum's. And we walk in and it's music playing. Everyone's going around their businesses, fully stocked shelves and that. And we just burst into tears. It was so emotional. In this episode of Brave, we sit down with Kelly from Kel's Kitchen and Brew Bar. I've had the pleasure of meeting Kel now a few times and I've always been in awe of her drive to keep going. Kel is such a forceful, positive person that giving up has never been an option for her. The Community Information Centre acknowledges and pays respects to the Woolgarugaba and Bindul people, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet for this podcast today. Hi, Cal. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. I've met you a couple of times now. Yes. And um, every time your story grows and grows, because more and more things have happened that you've had to come against and your challenges. And I think you've just got such an inspirational story as a result. I, I'd love to capture it today. Can you start by telling us a bit about you? So we, I grew up in Townsville um, and we always had property over in um, Harvey's Range. Um, I did nothing but horse riding until I was 23, even went over to England and studied under the Olympic dressage coach over there training. So I was over in England at 21. I was out of here. As soon on. as I hit 21, I was gone. I was overseas. I wanted to explore the world. I Great. wanted to see what was out there, you yeah. know, and um, then coming back here, yeah, I went down to Sydney, mid-20s. Um, worked hard, played hard, burnt out pretty quick, <laughs> came back home and slept for about three months at mum and dad's. So what brought you back to Townsville? I was burnt out. I was just, I was, you know, really doing a lot. I was on call a lot. I didn't have a lot of downtime on holidays. Yeah. So so you come back home, back to Townsville and you decided to go to uni and study yes. IT? Yes, I did. I liked the challenge. Yeah, I'm learning <laughs> that about you. <laughs> One of the hardest things I think I've ever done is a degree. Like that was so consistent. Plus I had to um, work. So I did it sort of part time and it was the first IT degree through JCU. So it changed very dramatically over that course of time. And so once you graduated, did you utilise that degree here in Townsville? Yes, I set up my own. Um, I just was a sole trader, just self-employed and I started, um, I started up my own little IT company um, just supporting businesses. And that was really interesting. But over a you know, I was in it for about 15 years and you get sick of people ringing up with a problem, you know. So you want to have a happy phone call. That's right. <laughs> so I it does get, get you down a little bit. So, yeah, um, I guess I got out of that because of that. I liked the idea of IT because I could do that from home. So I did that for while I had the kids young. So you're very versatile in terms of adapting to the different stages with that were going on for your life because now you're a mum with three children. Yes, and so twins? Yes, twins, 11-year-old twins and a 13-year-old, yeah. Yeah, so that's um, busy. Yes, <laughs> extremely. Yeah, that, so you continued working with three young children from home. Yes. Doing your IT. Yeah. Fast forward, is it from fast forward from there to where your now business was born? Um, yes, exactly, because I was at home for, for like eight years until the kids were sort of settled at school and I was just getting 
depressed sitting at home. I was and say, how isolating was that? It was very isolating. I didn't like it. It might be for some people, but it definitely wasn't for me. I was, I was putting on weight. I was falling in a hole of depression. Um, I had no challenges, but being at home, it was terrible. Because listening to your past experiences of the, the jobs you had prior, they sound like jobs that were surrounded by people, surrounded by yes. busy. Yes, I like it. I love people. I love people watching. I, like, I find everyone is so interesting. Everyone has a story to tell. Um, and I just really enjoy the company and talking and learning from people and, you know, experiences. Everyone's got a story. So you jumped from IT into a cafe. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> I guess you drink a lot a, of coffee when yeah. you're in IT. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, was, um, I thought, I guess I was driven by I want to be with my kids as much as I can. And I was thinking tuck shops would be ideal. So I work in a tuck shop. And I knew the contract was coming up, but they were delaying it a bit. And I thought, well, I still need a kitchen to work out of. So that's when that corner um, cafe spot came up. But perfect, it's right next to the school. I'll get a cafe going. And then when they make up their mind at the school, I'm right there, ready to go, you know. And that's how Cal's Kitchen and Brew Bar was was born. born. Yeah, exactly. That drives me too. It's like everyone else can criticise me, but, hey, I'm the one in the ring. You're sitting up there watching. I don't care about your opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, get, get down in. here and fight with me. Yeah, get down. Let's have a go. Yeah. Love it. Because getting into a small business is scary, right? Yes. Like, is, is that was that scary? It was, and it was a challenge, and I loved it. I loved it because I had to jackhammer up all the tiles. I had to refurbish and create so that physically kitchen. physically a challenge. It physically challenged me, but it was interesting. I love that sort of thing. Yeah, project managing. That's what I did in my IT business. Yeah. In my consulting, it was project managing IT. Um, so project managing, how am I going to install a um, kitchen in this like old retail space? Well, the first step is let's just clear it out, you know, yeah. see what we've got to start with. So it's just little steps getting through it. So it's pretty amazing. And then you get to stand back and look at it and go, look what I have created. I <laughs> it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. And it and it's all adds, you know, a little bit of experience to your belt. So when you go on to your next thing, you've got a little bit of understanding of how things work a bit more. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I really like. What year did you open? 2016. 2016. So you were in there for a couple of years before the floods hit. So I hear a lot the first couple of years in business is not smooth sailing. How was it for you? Oh, it was definitely a struggle. Like um, I knew it would be. I had no um, misconceptions about that. And I, I was head down, butt up working it, um, paying off the loans and that sort of thing. My idea was the first couple of years will be really tough. Um, and then from then on, you know, you'll start to see some growth. So that was my goal as I knew that it'd be rough. But just as I was coming out of that thinking, all right, we're going to have some cream this year. That's when the floods hit. Let's go to that night um, of the floods. So what what was happening for you in your cafe on that Thursday? Yes, that Thursday, uh, Thursday night we got broken into. So you smashed in the side window. So Friday, the rain was coming in sideways in that big front wall window uh, and I couldn't really trade uh, until we got that, you know, done up. But it was really, rain was just everywhere. It was so intense. So your shot was flooded before the flood. It actually was just about, yeah. Because of the break-in. Yeah, yeah. So Thursday night was the break-in. Friday was when the water started rising. Yes. Where were you? 
Were you at the shop cleaning? What was happening? Well, I was at the shop thinking, oh, my God, this is just a monsoon, you know. This is normal. I grew up with it. We, I remember out at the Bowley, going to Bowley School, we couldn't go some days because the Bowley River would be up and the teachers couldn't get across. And they they used to walk across the railway line then. And we're like, no, it's too dangerous. Don't go, you know, because we didn't want to go to school. <laughs> so um, I knew what monsoons were like. You get the floods and all that sort of thing. But this was unbelievable. This was next level. This, this rain just didn't stop. It, was it wasn't just a couple of hours of downpour. This was like days of non-stop downpour. And it wasn't flood coming up from the ground. It was coming from the sky. Yep. You know, it was just heavy, heavy rain. So your shop, did it go have water through it, flood water through it? Yes, we had 40 centimetres through the shop. Um, and so basically destroyed all my electrical equipment, uh, my fridges, freezers, that sort of stuff. I think the only thing left working was a coffee machine, which was important though. Yes, in a coffee shop. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and also my house, which I'm sort of not far from the cafe, I had two metres under the house. So I got evacuated on Sunday lunchtime, thinking yep. that's enough. Power's gone out. Get out while we can before um, they release the dam. So more. at this stage you knew it was more than just a monsoon. Yes, it was getting a little bit scary because uh, um, I walked across to Ross River on the Saturday morning when there was really no rain, no water piling up anywhere and the river was level with the ground. And I thought when that breaks and breaches that bank, which would not be far off, it's going to just shoot down my street because we were in the very low part of Hermit Park. Yeah. And before I even walked home, that's what had happened. So the, the water was filling up on the streets as I was walking down the streets, going into my house. By the time I got to the front door, it was filling up and the gutters starting to come up my front driveway. It was so quick. But there was so much rain, you know, it was still coming over my back fence because we're a little bit of a drop at my back fence. So it was coming in that way. And within an hour or so, it was knee deep. It was very clear water. It wasn't all river water, you know. It was just really clear um, rainwater. Just so much, just wouldn't stop. So you were evacuated with your three children? Um, Luckily at that stage, you know, my ex had the three children, but I had the cat and the dog and my partner at the time. So we were... um, watching on the Saturday as the rain would break it started to break stop then and but there was still you know like the thigh deep water down under the house I'm down there trying to anchor down stuff that was floating away unbeknownst to me it would all be gone the next day anyway (laughs) yes Uh, so um, we were just there watching the army coming through the street all the time just checking on everyone People were evacuating around the place and I thought, no, we'll just got, really had nowhere to go except my mum's. But with the dog and the cat, I thought we'll just stay here. Um, but Sunday when we lost power and then we got the alert from the council saying that they're releasing the, the dam gates more that night, I thought we've got to get out now or it's never. And we could be on our roof tonight, you know. So mm-hmm. that started to get a little bit scary then. Um, and we told the fella, the army guy walking down the street that we have rung the number we're going to get out. And he said, you won't get anyone in here for a long time because they're all over at Aikenvale, door knocking, getting them evacuated. So we started to panic then and we're like, okay, what do we do? Well, we're okay, we're safe. It's not like there's any immediate drama. Um, And then we rang the SES and within 20 minutes, the SES boat come floating over the the, um, fence and got us out and got our neighbours, elderly neighbours out, which I was worried about, and um, dropped us up around the corner at the bus stop where it was fine. No dramas up there. Amazing. Yeah. And our SES are volunteers. Yes. 
that were out there risking their lives as they well. They were, and they were amazing. They were just so settling, and they were busy as. So he just, they re- literally dropped us and ran to another call out, yeah. you know. Yeah. So the water's gone. It's now to go, time to go back home and go check out the cafe. Yeah. What goes through your head? Oh, I had no expectations. I didn't know what to think. Um, when we got evacuated, I was trying to get then get back to the cafe that Sunday afternoon. And, of course, that was all underwater. Yep. The road was closed. The police car got washed away there. Uh, so I just had, you know, no expectations. We actually went back to... Um, I was trying to get out to my mum's place, but she couldn't drive in. The roads were sort of blocked there. So I had a friend who was in a four-wheel drive out getting some stuff. And they called in um, to the shopping centre car park where we were stranded, picked us up and took us over to Heatley. And it just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. It was just a a scary night, not even being in the flood zone, you know. And then um, the next day, mum come and picked us up and took us out to um, Bushland Beach and we went into Coles. So we're all in the car, dog, cat stopping the coals on the way to mum's and we walk in and it's music playing, everyone's going around their businesses, fully stocked shelves and that. And we just burst into tears. It was so emotional because these people on this side of the town didn't know there's like this massive disaster happening, an emergency over on the other side of the town. It was really surreal. I, I don't know how to explain it. Because we same were, town. The same like town. Just grey on one side and yeah. bright, yeah. It was just that. like everyone's just walking around, you know, getting their veggies. We hadn't had fresh fruit and veggies for a couple of days at, um, and milk and stuff So in this side of the town. So it was really like a real contrast and it's only 20 minutes the other side of town. Mm. So that was a bit of a shock because everyone's like normal. And we're, here we are in the middle of coals just bawling our eyes out going, oh, we survived. Yeah, we got through it. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, then we obviously had to come back. We had to leave it a couple of days for the water to go down and come back in. And uh, look, what could you say? It was just devastation. There was just that silty mud everywhere. Um, everything had floated to one corner of the shop. The uh, It was just, what can you do? You just got to start from scratch again, I guess. And given the person you are who just seems to get in and get things done, I can imagine, is that what you did? Yeah, we had a bit of a plan because I had the house was all a mess as well. Under my house and my garage and all that was my laundry all gone. So we had to split up. So I had to clean. And you you don't want to let that stuff dry out too much. So we had to split up. Um, My partner did the house with her friends while I got a lot of the teachers from the school come and helped me, both at the house and at the um, cafe, which was amazing. And some friends friends came in and it's just the help that and the community spirit around was awesome. And even though some people still had damage at their house to clean up, they sort of prioritised um, us and people, parents would drop in and grab some washing from the cafe and go and do it and other parents would volunteering and staff volunteering to help gurney out the cafe and stuff like that. So it was just... The community spirit was really good. It was very good. Mm. So insurance. Yes. <laughs> what was that like? Uh, that was challenging. What were your lessons learned from it? Um, I don't know. I don't know how you could do it any better. I think having people advocate for you when you're in such a state of mind would be really helpful. Uh, when you're meeting with insurance, you know, put your claim in and then they go no we want to meet with you and you have you know i had like four or five meetings over over a period of a month 
with um, is your business open by this stage you no back open? i was doing coffees through the window for the people that needed that support and stuff and and trying to help where i could um and also i needed something to do i couldn't stay at home yeah with the kids and mum in the one little house and the cat and dog i had to get out too and i had to get the kids sorted and out and back to some sort of back routine. to some normality yeah and, and by the stage the school was open i think they're only closed for couple of weeks mm. so we was we were having to do tuck shop for them so i had to go and buy another fridge a little fridge to keep stuff in um, but because i got a fridge in and i got things repaired and the fridge saying yeah you know you need to get this replaced it's only temporarily repaired um because it was up and running and going then the insurance wouldn't cover it so i had that right. struggle so i lost a lot of that it quit well the equipment's some of it's still going but you know i don't know when it might just pack it in and that's the thing. That's the real rip-off, I think, with insurance. It should have been replaced. But because I wanted to get up and running, I had contracts to meet. I had to get it repaired quickly. You know, six months down the line, I think my insurance settled eight months after the event. So I can't wait eight months closing. I have to get going. And you do that. You get up and going. And you hope that insurance are going to back you and, and help you. But not and less than half of what I require they paid. What um, government assistance or grants did you apply for? <clears throat> um, Desbit and QRider were really good. They um, supplied me. With, like There was an initial 50000 grant for people that weren't covered with insurance. Um, so I managed to get some of that. But you still got to um, fill in the forms, take the time, lay everything out. Oh, my God, it just does your head in. You know, your, your focus is not really there as on, on a normal day before any sort of mm. disastrous event like this. So that was a real challenge was to be focused and fill in the forms correctly because you get one thing wrong, they reject it. So you get all that right. And, and then look, the government assistance were really, was really good in that way. And um, the Small Business Recovery Centre was brilliant in helping out in that way. So, uh, and then there were some curator grants coming up. So there's been some mentoring grants happening and marketing grants recently now. So yep. it's good. It's ongoing, which is what we need. Small businesses need this. Absolutely. Oh, it's just been so challenging and tough, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um. So your so floods happened. That was a bit of a crappy time. You kept pushing through. Two thousand and twenty. Yes. COVID hit. Yeah. What did that mean for you? Oh, it was like, oh no, here we go again. Um, and I think the lesson learnt from the flooding was that no, nah, close it up, go home. Not even going to try to maintain my business because, you know, you just, it's it just no point. You were ready to quit. I was ready to like just walk out, you know, I needed a break. Which sounds like that's not you. No, I was really worn down at that stage, you know. Mm. I was like, oh, my God. And it was a point of, um, you know, my kids as well. You know, we lost, they lost all their toys, all our fishing and camping gear, all our bikes, everything in that flood. And we're just trying to rebuild again and get some normality. And then it gets just thrown in the air again. You know, so it was, there's certainly no stability there. And it was all up in the air what's going on around the world, you know. So I guess. It was the completely unknown. It was, yeah. It's not, not something you can plan for. And, and it, the rules were changing like almost weekly there for a while. And I'm like, oh, I've had enough. I tried it. I tried to diversify and go, you know, this way and that way. And then they said kids have got to stay home. I'm like, great, okay, who's going to teach them because I'm working? So then that was, I guess, the icing on the cake. I just went, no, I'm going to, the cafe is not that important to me at this point in time. I need to get home and set all the kids down and get their education on track again. Yeah. So you closed up. 
I did. I closed off for about four months. Four months. Yeah. I was still doing um, tuck shop when school opened. I was still doing tuck shop, but I had a staff member that I wanted to keep. Yeah. So I was helping her as much as I could and getting her to run tuck shop. She has no kids. Because you got so that's the staff. Yeah. You've got staff that you. Yeah. Like, what does that feel like? Oh, it's devastating. And and you know I've been on that end of it. I'm not always being a manager. I know what's what how hard it is when you're living week to week paycheck. Um and. I just had to do what I could for, especially with one staff member that had stuck through with me. So um, basically she was running the tuck shop for me while I was homeschooling because there were a certain amount of kids that could go. Even though it wasn't big, we still had to be providing some food. And surprisingly, tuck shop was huge because the parents were in disarray at home as well. So they were Yes, they were. Yeah, so we were supporting and and I am glad. I think it was tuck shop's like that incentive to get kids to school sometimes yes Yes. so i mean it worked it worked out you know we got it working and you like every other parent doing the same thing with the kids at home there was meltdowns there was struggles um because you're thrown in this chaos at home again yeah you're stuck in the four walls of your home again yes with kids not wanting to do work (laughs) you know like it's trying to uh, i have always appreciated and they need someone to blame and that person is you. Yeah, having them because they've got no one else. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you're going to be there for them. Yes. Yeah. So that person they can blame is you. Yeah. Because no matter what they throw at you, you're going to keep coming back. Yeah, we have to be there. Owed to be a mother. <laughs> um, when you got to open your business back up again, yeah. was it all systems go straight away? Or if you had to build back up again from scratch, build your clientele back up, yes. build your customers up. Oh, it's been a build back up again. You know, like. It takes in um, in that in that hospitality side of it where I am. It, you know, it takes Gen- January is really quiet. February, March is sort of starting to get your wheels on, and then by mid year you're you're sort of running pretty well, and then it dies again over Christmas. And that's just the nature of some of it, you know. So and that's what the pattern was like previously. So we just get our, our wheels, you know, going, getting in momentum, and then we've had the floods, and then we had the COVID. So it's it's nice this year to be almost to the middle of the year and we're actually like steaming ahead but it has it does take a bit to wind up it takes a lot of energy to get everything baked up again get all your orders in you know like it's not just uh, oh we're open and everything's full everyone comes running back yeah yeah it's a process of behind the scenes stocking the cabinets again which can take weeks to get all that baking up to scratch um, and, and getting your marketing out there and telling people that you're open and these are the hours now. And so, yeah, it's a big process. Because did you go back open straight away to your original business opening No, hours? no. We um, staggered it a little bit because we were still, you know, fighting it. You know, not fighting, but there's still a lot going on behind the scenes, I guess, with home and that. Um, so I just opened three days a week and then ramped it up from there. I just needed to get coping with it, I guess. And I was fairly burnt out. I've got to say, I was really struggling myself, yeah. which is unusual for me because I've always had a spring in my step. You know, I've always been yeah. moving forward in that, but that was really hammering me down a bit. What What have you used to get through that? Because you've mentioned a few times in terms of, you know, you're nearly at breaking point and you're nearly here, but then you, you keep going and you keep motoring through it. Yeah. Where do you draw on your resilience from? Where do you draw your strength from? Oh, I think you just gotta, you got to keep going. There's no option. To me, there's no, people say, I don't know how you did it with three little kids because I was a single parent when they were 15 months, you know. And it's like, well, I had no choice. I just had to keep going. I wish I had a choice, but I didn't. So you just got to get up and you just got to go through the motions until it gets better. And I'm a big believer of that 1%, you know, each day just do 1%. 
this is the worst. Tomorrow's going to be a little bit better and then it's going to get a little bit better. So that's how I think in terms of long term is that it's not always going to be like this. Yeah. You know, this might be a really shit day, but it's not going to be a shit week or a shit month. I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to be one foot in front of the other and get that momentum going. And only you can pull yourself out of that. Exactly, yeah. And no amount of like, you know, and I guess at one stage it was money spending or drinking or whatever because you're feeling like crap and that. Yeah. It's like, no, you you got to sh- sort your shit out. you got to get yourself together. Stand up, put your big pants on and just walk walk forward you know there's no easy solution for being like that I guess I was always brought up with a very positive mind uh, mindset from my parents and I guess I do call I think about my parents when I was younger and they were always very driven to do stuff Um, so I probably get a bit of that from them so seeing other people succeed and that's like why can't I have that you know why can't I I just need to put in the effort so you kind of like yeah and at one percent just a little bit each day you don't can't you know change things dramatically overnight you just got to keep moving forward yeah yep i think your story is really cool (laughs) thank you for sharing it um i think our community is really lucky that you're back here and you've decided to call stay here you've um your business is is a really great little coffee shop i've been there quite a few times thank you um i really hope 2021 continues to be really awesome and on to the future thank you oh thank you thanks for popping in you're welcome it's been fun that's good that's good Brave is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.